0: Hey there, I'm Sarah K. Hoffman, a holistic health coach and chief gutsy of gutsygirl.com. I went from bloated, gassy, and infertile to living my best life with a strong microbiome and a very full house. On this show, no topic is too stinky to discuss and everything can be broken down into practical, digestible takeaways. So grab a cup of bone broth, veggie broth, or a soothing golden latte if you prefer, and come along as I show you how the number two might just be your new number one. Hello, my friend. Thank you for joining me for episode nine of the A Girl podcast. My name is Sarah K. Hoffman, and I am your host for this show. Today's episode is packed with questions and answers around probiotics and the microbiome that you have been asking about for as long as I can remember. Let me quick share some things before we start. First, the review I want to share today comes from Brie Kova. Amazing. I have been waiting for this podcast for what feels like forever. So much knowledge and inspiration for SIBO sufferers. Thank you. Well, you're really going to like today's show then because we address SIBO quite a bit. Thank you so much for sharing your reviews and I'm so looking forward to the next. Next, as always, I love to mention that you, my podcast friend, can always get 20% off anything at girlcom when you use code PODCAST at checkout. After last episode, I received an email that said, does the code even work for your physical journal? And the answer is yes. Yes, the code works for any products you'll find on the website. Last, I want to quickly share my own personal story with today's guests. Today, I'm bringing Tina Anderson, the CEO and co founder of Just Thrive Health, and Karan Krishnan, one of the world's experts on probiotics, as a research microbiologist, on the show. I met both of them in person for the first time at Expo West in 2018 they actually had invited me to a private dinner. I didn't know much about their probiotic at the time. And if you have read my story or listened to me share it in episode one, you know that in 2018 was the last time I relapsed from my SIBO and I was actually quite miserable around then. So I was really hesitant to talk to any probiotic company and to be perfectly honest, I really wasn't super educated at the time about really about anything that had to do with probiotics. But I agreed to meet with them because I had heard really great things from other people about their company and their products. So I went to the dinner and I will never forget the incredibly warm and welcoming hug Tina gave to me. Tina is the CEO and co-founder and just really engaging in conversation with Tina and her husband that night was was really something that I don't feel like I get with a lot of brands. So that first kind of embrace with them, if you will, was really important to me. But then they introduced me to Karan, and he's the microbiologist, and I was pretty much hooked from then on. He was able to tell me and explain things to me in ways that I had never been told before. And I actually got to sit across from him at dinner that night. I watched everything that he put on his plate, everything he put in his mouth. And the things that he was telling me really was in alignment with the way he was eating and the way he lived his life. I even remember asking him about certain things he was eating, you know, just kind of wondering why he was eating, you know, such a diverse uh, variety of food. There was there was at the time, there's no COVID back then. And so it was a huge buffet of like beautiful food. And he took just a little bit of everything. And I remember standing next to him in line and he said something to the effect of, you know, the more diverse foods that I eat, the better I feel, the more the microbiome flourishes. And I never forgot that. Throughout that weekend, he shared so many different stories with me and analogies and thoughts and just his wisdom, his wealth of knowledge. And I found it fascinating. So, of course, I went home after Expo West and they gave me probiotics. And I still, you know, to be perfectly honest, I was kind of on the fence. I wasn't really sure. And so I did what I usually do. I just did my own research. I started looking into the products they had, what their company was like, you know, who supported them and what the research was saying and what other people were saying about them as well. And ultimately, I don't believe I took too much of the probiotic immediately. And that is, again, because I was really, really miserable at the time. But from the time I did start taking the probiotic, I never stopped. And that's because the probiotic worked for me. And it made me feel better. And I really started to understand so many things about probiotics. I started to understand, based on their research, the difference between strains and species. I started to understand why a good probiotic does not need to be refrigerated, why more CFUs are not necessarily better, and on and on and on. I actually have an entire blog post all about probiotic myths. Those are uh, just a few of them. When thinking about who I wanted to partner with from a probiotic standpoint, as you can imagine, I get reached out to from a different probiotic company almost daily at this point. And I was very intentional about who I chose and why I chose to work with them. And I look back now and I I am so thankful because not only do they provide an excellent probiotic, but you've heard me talk about their IgG immune supplement all the time. I take it religiously daily. They have so many other products now as well. I use them. My whole family uses them. I'm confident in in them, their products, and the people behind the brand are just incredible. Anyways, because I am so confident in them and have worked closely with them for over three years now, whenever you purchase through the Just Thrive Health website, you can use my code, girl to save 15% on anything and everything. And of course, as my partner, I am very forthcoming with the fact that I work with them and there's, there's nothing for me to hide because they're wonderful people, a wonderful company with insanely incredible products. So with that, we chatted for quite some time, so let's dive right on in to this episode with Karan Krishnan and Tina Anderson. Hello, everyone, and welcome. I have with me here Karan and Tina from the Just Thrive team, and I'm so excited to be able to sit down with the both of you today and talk all about one of my most favorite companies out there, Just Thrive. And to get started, you both have unique careers and perspectives on the gut. So if you could each share a little bit more about yourselves and what you currently do, it would be super helpful.
1: Sure. I could start. I'm Tina Anderson. I am the co-founder and CEO of Just Thrive. And, um, and I have had a very interesting journey. I started out in litigation as a trial attorney and then went into uh, the pharmaceutical world and saw a lot of the abuses that were going on there and then really lived my life already pretty naturally. And we really, my husband Billy and I really wanted to get into uh, more of a line of work that was more in line with the way we lived our lives. And so, We looked into the natural health and wellness space, and through, I always say, being at the right place at the right time, we were able to um, license these um, incredible spore-based probiotic strains, and that was sort of how Just Thrive was born. So it's been the most gratifying career journey I've ever been on. You
2: know, for me, this is a, a culmination of a number of factors that have really come together. You know, I was born into a family of giant nerds. (laughs) <laughs> uh, my my mom and everyone in her family are basically doctors. My dad comes from a line of engineers, my uncles and aunts are physicists and so on. And I also was born and raised in India. So I lived in a world where you, you had lots of exposure to all kinds of biomes. and And of course, you know, Ayurvedic medicine has a lot of focus on gut health and how the gut can be a center of a lot of issues. They, of course, didn't use the terminology microbiome, didn't quite have the science to prove out the things that that they've practiced for thousands of years. But digestive health is a big focus, even in the types of foods that we eat and the process in which you eat, where the last thing that you eat in most Indian meals is something called curds. And the whole idea for it is, um, is to support digestion and improve your overall health at the end of each meal. So I had that kind of background. And then when I you know, I knew I was destined to be in the science world in some way or the other, that's just how my mind works as well. So it's a great fit for me. And then I, I finally decided through a number of things, including a, a really important movie to get into microbiology. And what's interesting about the world of microbiology is, of course, you're studying microbes. And the more sexy things to get into at that time when I started studying microbiology is pathogens, right? The the whole pathogenic world of microbiology is a really kind of exciting, fascinating area. People are dealing with disease all the time and infectious agents. And that was actually my initial interest. And my initial interest was in, on pandemic viruses, actually. And so that would have been uh, really interesting to be doing that work at this time. But Uh, I'm very glad I'm not because going into the world of the microbiome where you're really looking at this invisible universe that controls most of your outcomes... And and how can we understand that world and understand the language of that world, manipulate it, change it in some way, or influence it in some way to get better health outcomes? That's the part that really fascinated me about the microbiome and being a microbiologist and having that perspective. So looking at this world of health and wellness from the microbe perspective uh, has been truly fascinating as well. So I'm, I'm super happy where I ended up, and I think um, what's what's great about this is. You know, my desire to have human impact and, and help from scientific perspective, I think will be best realized in this field.
0: Thank you. And I am so grateful to have a nerd, a gut nerd on this podcast. It is, I, I act, you know, I'm obsessed with all things gut, the digestive system of course. And so when I can sit down and really dig into things with people like you, I'm just overjoyed in a really bizarre way. Right. Um, so Oh, here's a place that I want to start. I want to ask Karan, what exactly is the gut? And is the gut the same as the digestive system? Is the gut the stomach? I feel like the words are so interchangeably used. I'm really wanting to help the community from the very beginning understand the terms.
2: Yeah. And and in fact uh people conflate the terms all the time. People use the terms interchangeably like you said. But but for your audience and and certainly from the way I speak about it and the way lots and lots of scientists speak about it, the gut and the digestive system are from a proximity standpoint the same, but the the effects and the scope is different, right? So the digestive system you you really hone in on the process of breaking down and assimilating nutrients from food, right? The whole process of digestion, the utility and utilization of food that you take in. However, when we talk about gut health, we're going well beyond that because the gut, which is the structural ecosystem of the largest part of your microbiome, and we can define that a little bit better for people, that's helpful as well. But the gut really represents the largest structural component of your microbiome, and it's also the largest structural component of your immune system. And and those are both interlaced and intertwined with one another in this proximity of the digestive system right? So the digestive system is about breaking down and assimilating foods and nutrients, but the gut as a whole really acts as a central command center for the rest of your body. What happens in the gut beyond digestion controls how the rest of your body functions as well. Virtually every organ system, including your brain, your heart, your kidneys, your lungs, your muscles, you know, your mood, your outlook on life, your skin, your immune system, everything is influenced by the gut, which is the big ecosystem uh, and the central command center in your body. So I I think when when we refer to gut, uh, certainly on this program, when we talk, I'm really talking about the central command center for the rest of your body.
0: Perfect. That is so clearly explained. So You've obviously mentioned how important the gut is and, you know, it's this this central to everything else about us. So Tina, maybe you can help us understand a little bit more about why you created a company that was so focused on the gut. Was it just strictly because at the time you, you know, you were really wanting to help people with overall digestion? Or was it because of all these other factors that Karan just described?
1: Well, I think it's a combination of both. I mean one of the reasons we wanted to leave the big pharma industry was because of we saw so many of the over over prescribing of medications. we saw the uh, abuses going on with prescription medications and really we, what we saw was a lot of the, You know, emphasis on treatment of symptoms and not getting to the root cause of an issue and not getting and not talking about prevention and maintenance of health. And so, you know, we started learning about the gut and learning more about it through Karan and another colleague of ours. And we just dove into the research and we couldn't believe how important it was shortly after the human microbiome project was launched by the National Institute of Health. And so we found out, you know, that my God, the gut is responsible for virtually every aspect of our overall health. And how can we not be doing something in this space when our whole reason of leaving the pharmaceutical industry was to focus on prevention and to focus on maintenance of health. And and that was really what spearheaded it. And then to find out that so many of the, you know, probiotic, the theories about probiotics maybe weren't perfectly, you know, a lot of the probiotics weren't formulated the way really now they should be formulated. And, And that was sort of the story about how we got into it.
0: Great. So I think that really leads us into kind of talking more about the Just Thrive probiotics but just you you know your entire line of products so first question I have this is a huge question by the community are spore probiotics for everyone and maybe if one of you could even just let us know what exactly is a spore probiotic.
1: Sure I could start and then Karan could always elaborate but you know Spore-based probiotics have this endospore shell around themselves. And so it basically is a protection of the bacteria. So, And when they have that shell around themselves, they are protected and they're not able to get, they're not destroyed by the presence of the stomach acid. So they are allowed to get to the intestines alive. So one of the problems with probiotics is their ability, their sensitivity and inability to get to the intestines alive. So the spore-based probiotics actually have this spore-based shell, this hardy shell around itself that's a protection. And when it gets into the intestines, it starts to take the shell off. And that's what it goes into its live vegetative cell state. Um, and, and so they're, they're just very hardy. Um, bacteria. These are the same type of strains that were found in nature. Um, Our ancestors used to consume them on a daily basis. They would eat off of the land. They would eat roots and tubers off the land and they would get these spore-based bacteria. These were meant to be consumed on a daily basis. And so again, the biggest difference is their ability to just survive the gastric system and get to the intestines alive, which is you know, the very definition of a probiotic is it needs to arrive alive. And then as far as your answer is, is it for every one absolutely um i I, and Quran could maybe correct me but i i can't see you know they were meant to be consumed on a daily basis that's how our ancestors evolved um and you know there's really no contraindications of you know for anybody to be taking this they are um they they go to work and they do something different in your gut and my gut because they're actually able to read the microbial environment
2: Yeah. So uh, to add to what um, Tina said, you know, let's talk a little bit about our relationship with microbes in the world around us, right? We are, in fact, inhabited with microbes. We're predominantly microbial, meaning most of our DNA in our system, most of our genetic material in general comes from microbes inside our system. You know, our cells, the inside of our cells have ancient pleiotropic bacteria in them. We call them mitochondria, but they are ancient bacteria, you know, and we're mostly made up of microbial cells, even more so than human cells. So our construct is that of a microbial ecosystem. And we are in constant osmosis with the microbial world around us. The microbial world around us influences us in, in a number of ways, because they can have an impact on our own microbial ecosystem. However, physiologically, we are designed to protect our commensal organisms that exist within our GI tract against a huge influx of microbes coming in from the outside, because naturally, we are designed to get huge amounts of microbial exposure through our digestive tract, right? And that's just through eating, drinking, breathing in, everything basically in the system drains down into your digestive tract. So you think about you know, what accumulates in your sinuses and so on, all of that is designed to drain into your mouth, into the back of your throat, and you swallow it. Things come up from the lungs, right, in the form of mucus. It's pushed up through something called a mucociliary elevator. All of that is pushed up, and then you swallow all of that mucus on a daily basis. So all of this sampling of the world around us and the microbes that we're encountering is happening through the digestive tract. Now, the body is designed to provide a few gauntlets or layers of protection against a huge influx of microbes because we want to protect the ecosystem that is established within the small and large intestine. We don't want to provide them with too much competition for microbes that come in from the outside. So there are barriers to entry for microbes that are entering the system. Barrier number one, as you're entering in through the through the gastric system, uh, is it starts in the mouth. It's the um, the secretory IGA that's released in the saliva. It's the alpha amylase that's in the saliva. Those things can kill bacteria. Once bacteria get in the stomach, then there's the stomach acid, of course that neutralizes the vast majority of microbes. And then if something can get past the stomach acid, there are bile salts being produced in the small intestine, there are pancreatic enzymes, all of these things act as antimicrobials to really screen what kind of microbes can enter the system in a viable state. Because if we don't have that physiological screening, then we really inundate our our ecosystem in our small and large intestine with loads of outside bacteria that may compete with them and create more dysfunction than benefit. Those screening tools are really important. And in fact, there's lots of conditions in where any of those screening tools become compromised. You see disease occurring. For example, if stomach acid is compromised, if you've been on proton pump inhibitors or antacids for a long time, if you have a lot of stress and your stomach acid is compromised, too many of your oral pathogens will actually survive through the gastric system, make their way into the small intestine and overtake the ecosystem of the small intestine, then you, it leads to things like small intestinal bacterial overgrowth or IBS type symptoms, right? So those screening uh, gauntlets, those those um, uh, trials and tribulations that a microbe has to go through to survive into the GI tract is are really important. Now, spores are unique in that they are a uh, ubiquitous environmental set of organisms that are designed by nature to be able to survive through that gauntlet. So our focus was, you know, if they are designed by nature to survive through this gauntlet that is designed to uh, neutralize bacteria so they don't have, uh, they're not viable in the GI tract, then there may be something special about these microbes, right? It may be a factor of symbiogenesis, which is the forced co-evolution of different species through lots and lots of exposure over time. So as it turns out, that's absolutely right. These bacterial endospores have developed a unique capability of surviving through the gauntlet that our body puts them through so that they can get into the intestinal microbiota alive. And once they're there, They do some amazing things for us that many of which we cannot do for ourselves. So we were just smart enough to recognize that nature has created a probiotic, and we just have to figure out what it does, how it does it, and when to take it. And if we can do that, we're going to have success in helping people with their gut health.
0: Great explanation. Thank you so much. And that's essentially then what you guys did with the Just Thrive probiotic, yes?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. And and in fact, you know, to answer the first part of your question, is this uh, beneficial to everybody? And there's a reason for that, right? Because there are certain organisms within your microbiome that are called universal colonizers. Uh, What does that mean? Well, it's because if any, all three of us took a really good detailed microbiome analysis at best, we would probably be about 50% similar when you look at the species level of the types of organisms that are growing in each of our guts, right? We all have our kind of our own unique signature of what our microbial ecosystem looks like at the species level. However, there are some organisms that are universal colonizers that we all will ha- tend to have within our GI tract, and not only us as humans but other animals too, insects and birds and other mammals will have these similar organisms. Now, why are some of them universal colonizers? Well, it's because we all gain exposure to them in similar ways, right? The predominance of my microbiome, I got exposed to from my mom during delivery process and then my mom and dad during early stages of the microbiome development. However, both you and I, Tina and and Sarah, even though we grew up in very different places from different moms, we will all three get exposure to these environmental microbes from the ecosystem in somewhat equal manner, right? So they become universal colonizers. And that was exactly how we looked at at just thrive because we were thinking, you know what is not being addressed in the micro, in the in the probiotic space right what is not really being utilized there's all of these kind of techniques that people are using to formulate probiotic f- products refrigerated non-refrigerated special capsules you know 100 billion 200 billion cfu's and we said well what's not being done and and the simple answer to that is we're not utilizing what nature has already created for us right we're trying to kind of outsmart and circumvent the natural order of how the microbiome gets influenced by the environment around it. So we said the simple approach would be to take these organisms that we're supposed to be getting natural exposure to and add them back into the system. And then as it turns out, when you do that, amazing things happen.
0: Okay, so you've made it very clear, both of you, that these probiotics are very essential, that these they're for everyone. So some people will ask, why then do I feel worse after I start my probiotic?
2: Yeah. So that's a great question. And, you know, we started seeing that even on the clinical practice side where we work with um, the spores quite extensively. There is an unfortunate phenomenon called a Herxheimer reaction or die-off reaction, right? What tends to happen is as you make changes in the, in the microbial ecosystem in the gut, Those changes may come with effects. So I'll give you an example. When you've got um, a gut with high levels of opportunistic, problematic bacteria that are growing, and then you send in a competitive exclusion agent. So the part of how the spores work is they do a really good job of competing against problematic organisms, right? So they'll come in, they'll fight for space, nutrients, they'll even produce compounds that bring down the growth of those problematic organisms. So now when those problematic organisms start to feel the 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 competition, and they're getting threatened, one of the things they do is a last ditch effort is they release lots of toxins and things like that as they're trying to survive through the battle, right? And that process can feel like worsening symptoms like loose stool, cramping, bloating, and so on. We find that it happens in about 10 or 15% of people. And most of those people, if they went slower, those responses would be dampened. But it's the key is that response is actually a positive thing, because it indicates a, a profound change that is starting to happen within the gut.
0: If you are in that 10 to 15% how long would you expect to have those symptoms is it a matter of days or weeks
2: most most often it's just a matter of days most often it's a matter of you know 5 6 days and working through the dosing we often recommend to people if their if their symptoms are are you know really uncomfortable then okay go to half a capsule instead and work your way up over over a few days But I think that what, what tends to happen is the knee jerk reaction is if you've got a messed up gut and you've, you've got, you know, all the peripheral issues that may come with that. Um, and you, you buy and take a probiotic, the assumption is immediately you should start to feel better or at least in short term. Right. So if the first few days you feel a little bit uncomfortable, your tendency is to think that this is not compatible for you, not working for you. Right. And that's, that's where you start to lose some of those people's focus and attention. And so what we try to explain to them is that's actually a positive sign of change. And usually five, six days later, things are completely different.
1: Yeah, that's what we've experienced. You know, that's usually what we see is about a week, you know, people seem to be fine with it. There's always exceptions to it, but for the most part, and, P, and sometimes I tell people too, if, if taking a half a capsule a day is what works for you, then you could stick with half a capsule a day. But most people, the overwhelming majority of people could e- easily titrate up to that full capsule.
0: Yes. And for those of you listening, one thing I do want to make note of is that one of the things I love about the Just Thrive probiotic is let's say you do need to titrate down and you, you are going to do just a half capsule like Tina had mentioned. You can open up the capsule and pour it into anything, just use half. And then like when I used to do it with my kids, I would just save the other half for, for a different time or whatever. So it's something that you can easily you know, go down or up as needed. So speaking of children, can children take the probiotic? How about nursing women, women who are pregnant? Is there anything that people need to watch out for?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm particularly passionate about children taking it. I feel like children nowadays are born into such a toxic world and a sterile world where they're not being exposed to the microbes that they need to be. And um, I think we see this with all of the kids being, you know, having allergies and, I I always say when I was a kid there were you know one kid I knew through all K through 12 that had a any type of allergy and now there's peanut free tables I mean the kids and and these allergies are an indication of a disrupted microbiome so um i think it's really important for children to be taking them and like you said sarah you could open the capsules and mix it with food uh, mix them with food and they there's no taste or anything so they wouldn't even notice it was there and as far as you know pregnant and nursing moms we always suggest that you know when you're taking any any type of supplement that you're pregnant in nursing, you ask your doctor, but um, we think it's particularly important for a pregnant mom to be taking um, the spores just because of their, you know, when a child is born, that is when they are inoculated with their microbiome. So it is, the mother is literally passing on her bacterial organisms to her child. And so um, there is never a more important time if there's one thing you could do for your, you know, your child is to pass on the healthiest microbiome possible. So I think it, it would be great to, you know, for pregnant women to take it as long as your doctor says it's okay. And again, Quran could expand a little bit further.
2: Yeah, you know, and just, I always bring things back to evolutionary biology, right? So even though I, I studied microbiology, I'm a closeted evolutionary biologist, <laughs> um, because it's it's so fascinating to see how things evolve to... Behaviors and structure and function and all that through is, through concepts like symbiogenesis and so uh, when you consider an, uh, our ancestral babies, right, they're they're born and when you when you look at a characteristic that every baby has, uh, which to me till this day fascinates me is they sample the, their world with their mouth, right, which is a very unusual practice as a human because. Our primary sensory organ is not our mouth, right? We're tactile and we're visual. But every baby, and I've got a nephew who's uh, just turning two, you know, anything you put in front of them or around them, they take it and put it in their mouth. And if you imagine the ancestral baby, they're put in the dirt, they're put in the ground, they're picking up things like rocks and dirt and dried dung and putting it in their mouth. They're sampling their world around them. And and getting exposure, gaining exposure to these kinds of critical microbes. And in fact, there are studies that show that the development of the gut-associated lymphoid tissue, that's where 75-80% of all your immune tissue sits, is dependent on cooperation between these types of environmental microbes, the, the bacillus spores in particular, working together with some of the commensals that you would have picked up from mom. Right. So that exposure to babies and, and young kids can be extremely important. And we know that if they're not exposed to microbes adequately enough, there causes a significant amount of issues in their uh, immune health. So, so I think, yeah, it's not only is it important for kids, uh, but it's extremely important for nursing and pregnant moms who are at the moment transferring a microbiome over to their child.
0: Uh the licking and the dirt. It's no wonder my children are
2: <laughs> pretty
0: <laughs> pretty healthy for about ninety-eight percent of the time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah.
2: And you know, they eat boogers, right? So uh, <laughs> booger eating is another inoculation of, of the gut and sampling of the world around you, right? You you always wonder, well at least I always wonder, I don't want to put that on you as well, but <laughs> I always wondered and observe kids eating their boogers and go, why is it from this age to this age it makes complete sense to pick that nasty thing out of your nose and eat it. Um, but a, a booger is essentially a uh, a vaccine, right? You're you're grabbing microbes like viruses and all that have been, uh, that you breathe into your respiratory tract that gets captured in mucus and, and surrounded by IgA, and you're sending it into your GI tract where it gets sampled, and your body then mounts an uh, an immune response against it, right? So it's, it's another way of that continued practice that that built-in practice of sampling the world around you to, to develop a more resistant microbiome and more resistant immune system.
0: I love it. Um, okay. So this community is extremely intelligent. They ask the best questions and they're, I I feel like so advanced. And so I love that we can talk about, um, a little bit, you know, more complex things. So I have a couple of questions, um, they kind of go together. So one question that people are always asking is what exactly is the difference between Megaspore and the Just Thrive probiotic? And then also along with it, a lot of people in this community have SIBO. So is it okay to take, you know, the Just Thrive probiotic or what are your thoughts on that?
1: Sure. The difference between Just Thrive and Megaspore is that one is really formulated for the retail market, which is Just Thrive, and Megaspore is formulated for the uh, practitioner market. And so they are very, very similar in that, you know, we consider them almost bioidentical or bioequivalent from a scientific standpoint. Um, they have the, the two heavy hitting strains in both products in the same amount but one is just a little bit stronger, so maybe be used under uh, a practitioner's care. And then as far as SIBO, the really exciting thing about SIBO is that um, one of the strains in Just Thrive is called uh, Bacillus clausi, and that has actually been used in Europe for years as a pharmaceutical for SIBO. So, um, it, there's some great studies on it. Um, one of the problems as you, your listeners, I'm sure already know is that the problem with a lot of probiotics is the lactobacillus bifidobacterium type of probiotics actually sometimes can contribute to that colonic overgrowth in the small bowel. Whereas with, um, the just thrive, that doesn't happen. So it's actually, um, helping the matter of, you know, helping rebalance the gut in the small intestine. So, um, yeah, I mean that's that's so it would be a great option for people with SIBO. But again, it would be probably be another example of where we want to titrate up. And then again, Karan, I'm sure you got way more to offer.
2: Oh, I can sprinkle some nerdery yes. on this. <laughs> uh, so I've been lecturing on SIBO for a little over two and a half years now, because in in my view, the functional medicine community has really kind of flubbed the approach on on SIBO, right? Because the whole idea behind functional holistic health is about looking at root cause. But what has happened in a, inadvertently is that even in the functional medicine world, the focus has been on the bloat and how do we reduce the bloat, right? And so the medical doctors are writing rifaximin prescriptions to try to bring down the overgrowth, the, that's the antibiotic. And then the natural practitioners are loading you with antimicrobials, right it's the same thing. they're just different classes of of ways of killing bacteria, but the problem is neither of those work, right? Neither of those are really alleviating the problem. You might feel some temporary relief but but more often than not, people just revert back to the same issue, and that's because we're not really addressing the root cause in sibo in fact, in my lecture i point out to doctors and and practitioners how SIBO is not a condition on its own, even though we think about it as a condition, it's not. It's actually a symptom of a much larger problem. And there are much bigger things going on that are dysfunctional in the person's system than the bloating symptom that occurs, right? So at the root of SIBO, we've got a number of things that are going on. Number one, the bowels have stopped moving. Right, There's stasis in the bowels, and that stasis comes from a lack of communication from the gut to the brain on the neurological signals that activate the peristaltic motion, that's the contractile motion of the bowels, and then also the loss of the migrating motor complex, right? So stasis is going to allow SIBO to happen, and stasis is a predominant feature in SIBO. Now, why have the bowels stopped? Right. Is it because of an overgrowth or does the overgrowth exist because the bowels decide to stop? And, and I would say the latter is more true because one of the ways that we prevent against bacteria overgrowing in the small intestine, which is a, you know, normally a good place for bacteria to grow is by continuously moving solids through the small intestine. And so one of the key factors in why the bowels stop in SIBO is leaky gut or LPS endotoxemia, right? So when LPS leaks through the intestinal lining, it enters into the enteric nervous system. That's a ner- neurological tissue that surrounds your GI tract. That enteric nervous system is directly connected to the brain through the vagus nerve. LPS has been shown to be able to move up the vagus nerve and lodge itself in an area called the dorsal vagal complex, The dorsal vagal complex is a key intersection in which signals from the brain make their way down to the gut. And what studies have shown is when LPS makes its way into the dorsal vagal complex, it elicits an inflammatory response in that neurological tissue that prevents the signals from the brain making its way to the enteric nervous system. So the brain is telling the gut to contract, the brain is telling the bowels to move, the brain brain is telling the migrating motor complex to, to activate and kick on and clean out and sweep out the bowels, but those signals are not getting through to the enteric nervous system, it's getting stuck in the dorsal vagal complex. So that's one example of a physiological disruption to the system that allows for SIBO to occur. The other things are compromised stomach acid. Right, Proton pump inhibitor use, PPIs, is a, new, is a form of SIBO. Use of antacids, stress-related hypochloridemia, where you have low levels of stomach acid, is a factor in driving SIBO because a lot of the overgrowth that you see in the small intestines comes from pathogens that are found in the mouth. So gram-negative pathogens that are found in the mouth are making their way in a viable state past the stomach acid into the small intestine because the stomach acid is inadequate. Your pH in the stomach is now too high. And so that's another factor, right? So that has to be dealt with. The liver is another issue because bile acids act as a really important controller of microbial overgrowth in the small intestine. Not only is sweeping bile across the small intestine an antimicrobial washing through it, um, not allowing for uh, overgrowth of organisms. But bile salts also trigger something called a nuclear FXR receptor, which causes your small bowel lining to release antimicrobials to control bacterial growth. So if you have inadequate bile production uh, and in inadequate in in bile circulation, it leads to a condition in which you can get overgrowth. And so liver health, is directly tied to SIBO, something around six times higher prevalence of SIBO in people with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease or non-alcoholic steatohepatitis compared to people that do not have liver dysfunction. And what you'll see over time as SIBO goes along, that one of the key things that occurs is people's liver become compromised. They start getting fatty liver disease, right? So all of this story is just to say that when you take a condition like SIBO and you look at what, what is it that people are focusing on, which is typically the bloat, the problem there is that's a symptom of a bigger problem. And probiotics will often you know get, get um, sectioned off as saying, well, that's not good for SIBO, right? But if we're looking at going after the root cause of SIBO, which is the leakiness in the gut, the disruption in the gut-brain connection, the stomach acid issue, the liver health issue all of those things can be dramatically benefited from from the spore-based probiotics. So we use them quite regularly for SIBO individuals, along with things to help stomach acid and help the liver function uh, and help getting the bowels moving, right? So that we can really address the root causes of what's driving SIBO. Sorry, that was a very long answer to your pretty poignant question. But um, I think it's important for people to really understand the big picture of what's happening in the gut, right? And how these kind of probiotics can be really useful across the board.
0: That was absolutely fantastic. I would love to do an entire episode with you all about SIBO because you have so much knowledge around it. And I love how you were able to really, you know, describe the physiology around it um, because my experience is exactly what you talked about. You know, I relapsed from it four times even after the herbals, the Rifaxman, this and the other, it wasn't until the very end when I finally started addressing things like my low stomach acid, the the MMC, uh, my liver health, you know, all that, that now I've been well since 2018. Actually, right around the time I started taking the Just Thrive probiotic as well after I met you it's another thing along the journey that I, that I try to tell people is that it's not always, we don't always need to keep taking more things out. That's not the answer and the solution. So I love that. And thank you so much.
2: Yeah. And I'd be happy to come back and do a whole SIBO thing because the other part of SIBO, um, you know, treatment that scares me is looking at how restrictive people's diets are. Yes. Right. And they're not taking in any fermentable carbohydrates. And your large bowel that harbors the vast majority of the microbes in your system, that they all require these fermentable carbohydrates and long term effects of not feeding them those fermentable carbohydrates, I think are going to be far more devastating than the bloating. And, you know, we have to find a way to get beyond that.
0: Exactly. But on that note, as a microbiologist, I would love to know what are the top three things you think we can do for boosting the gut microbiome today?
2: Yeah. So um, I would say three things. And these are three things that I do. And I and I, my discipline on, on really following programs is, is actually not that great. But these are three things without fail, right? Number one is increasing the diversity in your diet. So I try to eat as diverse of a diet as I can. There's a good amount of studies that show that the more diverse your diet is, the more diverse your microbiome is. And high diversity in your microbiome is critically important as a feature of overall health, not only of your microbiome health, but your, your overall health and your overall longevity. So that's one thing. The second thing is I do fast as well. And that's the exact opposite of eating a diverse diet, right? I provide my microbiome periods of fasting. And the reason for that is there are a number of classes of microbes within your microbiome who only proliferate when there's no food coming in. And in fact, they are secondary and tertiary metabolizers, meaning the main groups of microbes that that break down and digest the food that's coming in, they then provide, from their digestion of the food, they create all of these secondary metabolites. Those metabolites then have to be digested by a next class of bacteria, and then they produce metabolites, and then another class of bacteria activates. In order for all of those layers of microbes to activate, you have to have a period of time where you're not feeding the system food right? And there's, there's lots of studies on that, on, on the maintenance and the the, clean, the cleaning up and the housekeeping uh, activities that going, go on in the gut when you're not feeding it. And then the third thing is, of course, taking a right type of probiotic because the right probiotic can be extremely useful and beneficial for your gut. So, of course, I take the uh, spore-based probiotics. So, those three things for me are absolutely critical. And if I were to sneak in a fourth thing, I would say getting outside in the outside environment, right? Being more prescriptive about it, trying to say, I'm going to spend 30 minutes outside in a natural environment two or three times a week and interacting with nature, you know, touching trees and walking through trails, that all has a huge positive impact on your microbiome. So now I'll sneak in that fourth thing as a bonus.
0: (laughs) You know, I feel like you've just legitimized my platform and what I've been talking about because these four things I have, I am really, and Tina has seen it online, just Talking about over and over and over, and how they changed my life in the trajectory of my healing. So I'm super excited to hear those. Those are the first time I've actually heard you you know say a couple of those. So thank you,
2: yeah, it's my pleasure. and here's a cool thing. All of those things I mentioned have great science backing them, right and 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 the science is there to support why those things help, but you are the embodiment of of the effectiveness of that right there's one thing research can tell you but there's another thing that real live living people who've been through it can tell you so so congratulations to you and i think that's fantastic that you've incorporated those and those are simple steps they're not that complicated to do right but they can have a profound change over time
0: exactly so tina i would love to hear from you what are your top 3 just thrive products. You know, we talked a lot about the probiotic today. Obviously, on my website, I'm constantly talking about the entire portfolio of products that you guys have. So, I would love to know what are your What do you think are the best three products you guys have? If you need to sneak in a fourth, like Haran did, it's okay.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that is a hard one to limit it to three, but for sure, foundational is the probiotic, like we spoke about. I mean, this is—I mean, I love this product. I I can't tell you how much I love it. It's amazing. I also feel like the um, IGG is so awesome. It just—it the the research behind it is so great. And then I, I, for years I've been taking the probiotic, the prebiotic, and the IgG. But we recently launched the Gut Fortify, which is so exciting. To ha- it has that repair mechanism in it, and we love I love that. So I'm sneaking in a fourth with the Gut Fortify. But um, you know, and like we've I've talked about many times, we really only bring things to the market that are missing and needed. So everything that we put out on our website is. are are things that we feel are really missing in the market and really needed for humanity, for people. They need to, you know, to help heal their gut and to help, I shouldn't say heal their gut, to help um, support their gut health. So, um, So those are probably my top three to four. Lovely. Okay. Well,
0: I don't know how the time just absolutely flew by. I mean, I do know how is because this is, this is fascinating and it's super incredible information and important information. So as we wrap this up at the end of my interviews, I always ask my guests for their three convictions around gut health and gut healing. For reference, mine are heal your gut, heal your life, Everything is beautiful in its time, and no one will ever advocate for your health in the ways you can show up and glow up for you. So I would love to hear from the both of you
1: what your three convictions are. Um, I could start, Karan. I would say one of them is good health is gut health, Um, because really, when you have gut health, um, you have good health. So I think they're synonymous with each other. Um, This is kind of our, this is our tagline, which I love because it really speaks to, I think you and your audience, but it takes guts to be healthy. So um, you can look at it at both ways because it takes guts to actually, you know, take, make some serious changes in your life to start supporting your gut health. And when you have gut health, you are healthy. And then I think the other one is just I have a saying in my life that everything works out perfectly for me. And um, it just means that when everything works out, you know, everything doesn't always work out the way you expect it to. Like you yourself, Sarah, were you know, you experience a lot of gut issues and a lot of health issues. And, and look at now you've made this and you wish you never had that, but yet you have this great you're helping so many people around this and you've made a career out of it and you're doing so much good with it. So sometimes we don't know that everything is working out perfectly during the time, but it really is working out. So I, I really try to believe that whatever happens, it's working out perfectly for me.
2: I love those. Yeah. Um, and I think you guys have both covered a lot of the, the ways of really describing gut health and, and ideas to live by. So a couple that I can add in there would be, you know, one one of my focuses is really about building resilience, right? Because I, I don't think we can all live a, what we would consider to be a perfect life, right? Where you're never eating anything bad, and you're never doing anything that compromises your health, and so on. We have to have fun. We have to live life. You know, we have to be able to be resilient to deal with them. So to me, true health comes from building resilience. We We have to give ourselves that leeway, where at least 20% of the time, we can do things that we know aren't great for us, but they're good for our mental health and so on. So uh, true health comes from building resilience and resilience comes from a strong, diverse, healthy microbiome, right? So that is the, the, the component in our system that allows us to have resilience, allows us to deal with things that could otherwise be stressors to our system. So I, and then another thing, you know, I always hold true is that we've only scratched the surface on understanding the human form and function, right? It's the the discovery and and the uh, learning around the microbiome that's giving us insight into how the human system actually functions all of these years of, of medical research and scientific research that was not looking and considering the microbiome was only looking at 10% or less of the human system. So we're finally starting to understand who we are and how we are designed, how we function. And one more thing I would say is, I and I write this anywhere where there's like a place where you can write something and stick it on a wall. Um, I always write eat spores um, because it's just, it's about, you know, it, it just encompasses what we're supposed to do, right? These organisms have developed by nature, this unique ap- capability of surviving through the uh, antimicrobial gauntlet that our body has. And, and we just have to be smart enough to put them back in to our system, because we've, we've avoided them, we've, we've created concrete barriers and walls against them. Uh, we don't get exposure to them. So I, I just want people to eat spores, they'll be healthy. <laughs>
0: wise words to live by eat spores. delicious. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, Karan and Tina for joining me on today's show. And I will look forward to having you guys on again, hopefully in the near future. And for the rest of you, thank you for joining today's show. And I will see you next time.